This is the show where we pair the perfect beverage with the events in our lives. This is Let's, Let's Drink, Drink About it. it. That's Chris Bowman. Here I am, and that's Ben Hi, Chris. Harrison. Hi, John. And that's, <laughs> whoa, who's that? John, I, th- I think I just kind of intuited his name. Who yeah, it's that? John Vanderslice. He of Tiny Telephone? That's the one. Wow. Welcome, John. It's it's great to be here. Can we get your voice louder in the headphones? Yeah, and, and maybe even my voice louder in the headphones. Yeah, I think I think it's I don't know. Does that? It is kind. Of, oh, boom! That's how, gonna help. Yeah, that'll that'll help big time. And then, Chris, maybe can do you, a vocal check. We yeah, might have can to. You hear me? Can we turn Chris down maybe a little bit? Uh, or is that hard to do on this Skype? Let's see. We haven't had a producer slash engineer record with us yet, and this is this is pretty exciting. Oh, perfect. perfect. Oh, perfect levels. oh, now we, we've got it great now. This is awesome. Oh, this is yes. This is, this is going to be good because I won't have little ghosts of Chris audio, Chris's audio coming through the headphones into the microphone on this side. Oh, yeah. But I then yeah. have to figure out something to do. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know that won't happen? Um, because I just turned you down. We can barely hear you. Oh, oh good. <laughs> no, good. That's not true. We can hear you great, but it's, it is more balanced. Yeah. Um, John, when uh, I was emailing with you to set up recording today, uh, you told me to park across your driveway like a boss. Yeah. Which made me laugh, but then immediately made me cringe because uh, a couple of episodes ago, uh, we recorded with Adam Pranica, our friend up in Seattle, and um, I parked across what I thought was his driveway. Yeah. <laughs> and it turned out to be his neighbor's driveway, and she was waiting for me when I came out of his oh, house no. and was Ooh. very upset. <laughs> wow. And, I, uh, didn't, I did not hear that story. Yeah, so oh, she, no. she, she uh, had clearly been like sitting in the window looking for me, and um, when I came out to like uh, go home, she ran out of her house and said, you know, you parked across my driveway. And I was like, oh, gosh, I misunderstood what that was and she said never do that again and i uh said well i probably won't be back here so (laughs) that probably won't happen but you know i i carry embarrassing moments with me like uh like luggage and that will scar you yeah Uh uh-huh so uh, I i replay that i replay that stuff over and over again I'm I'm sitting here wondering if indeed I did park in front of your driveway. I'm almost positive. Okay, I'm good. I think you you parked right in front of my driveway. Directly. Right? In front. All right. Good. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, but but that won't like even knowing that rationally won't. Yep. <laughs> Do you guys have like like things like that where you have a, a a weird thing that happened in the past and that for some even though it's like kind of neither here nor there. Oh, it oh yeah, sort of haunts you. You were just talking about uh, ghosts, you know, the, like the, the ghosts that you would have to edit out of. But that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I think of it. It's, you know, a little moment, like a cringeworthy moment that is really yeah. nothing at all. And then and it just hangs on and hangs on. It comes back like at the weirdest times. Yeah. 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 I have a I've I'm going back like deep into my childhood. I have one when I was six. <laughs> I went up to Yosemite with my parents and we went to the Awani Lodge for dinner one night and I was wearing a hooded sweatshirt and I was playing Spaceman and I like cinched the the hood real close around my eyes and I was walking around this hotel and I walked into like a black tie dinner where there were just like, I don't know, 
the upper crust of Yosemite, whatever that is. Yeah. Like, you know, probably 75 people in this room all dressed to the nines and having cocktails and laughing. And I'm like spacemanning around completely oblivious to them. At a certain point, I had everybody in the room's attention and they all laughed at me and I had to like oh, run no. out of the room in shame. <laughs> so, oh man, that's brutal. Yeah. Still remember it. I was just being a kid, but... <laughs> Apparently, even uh, when you were six years old, you were embarrassed to be a child. Yeah. Oh well. I don't know. How do you how do you let go of that stuff? Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> simple, yeah. simple, straight to the point. I was actually being serious. That's sort of what this show is about, actually. Mm-hmm. Drinking it, to forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we oh, should do real, like a uh, uh, what is what is the best cocktail pairing for shame uh, episode, but not this episode. No. <laughs> Which would have been uh, pretty good to save it until now, I suppose. But uh, listen, Ben, I have a real quick bit of housekeeping. Uh, sure. I, th- I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Was it uh, the drink pairing for San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con? Uh, yes. For, was it Holly? The, the Incredible Hulk. Yes. Uh, you know, somebody really blew it right then. I, I kinda, it hit me yesterday. That really should have been called the Hulk Smash. Somehow make it a smash, you know what I mean? Oh, like we modify the Incredible Hulk to involve a smash aspect? Yes, that's what I'm saying. That would be good. Only because it works on the two levels, you know? Yeah. Anyway. um, San Diego Comic-Con has come and gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's always next year. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. John, you opened a studio in Oakland recently. Is that not correct actually it would be incredible if that were true oh no but the the uh the building is starting right now oh so it will be a real thing yeah and it will be an incredible thing but um it's there's going to be a very intense six month build out sure and the most intense part of that is that i'm kind of fudging the the funding of it so i've kind of just piece together enough to get contractors in the building right. and starting to frame up walls. So um, that's sort of your way, right? You kind of you kind of oh, yes. make it happen. Fudging things, as it, yes. As it, well, not fudging <laughs> things in general, but like I, I feel like I've had conversations with you about how, like, if you find like an analog mixing board that is like one of a kind, that isn't necessarily in your budget you will leap at the opportunity by, you know, calling in all kinds of favors and getting it to your studio. Well, the the one th- thing that I've noticed is that if you really are super passionate about something and your motives are pure, yeah. that the world just like opens up for you. So it, it is true that I, I will often like commit to something. Right. I mean, I committed to buying a $165,000 Neve console. <laughs> and you know, what's crazy is that this was maybe two weeks before Sound City came out. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys have, have both of you guys seen the documentary uh, Sound City? No, I know of it. List. I, I haven't gotten to it yet. In, in some ways it's, it's a poorly made doc. I wouldn't <laughs> say you need to go out and, but, but the, the front half of it is basically like a, an advertisement for Neve consoles. Wow. And so I think that the price of Neve consoles has gone through the roof since that, wow. since that doc Cause, hit. Cause everybody that, every everybody musician, that saw it, like, yeah, 
and every musician seen it. It, it that that doc really like hit hard in the music community and people because they there's nothing that people fetishize more than a closed down recording studio for some yeah. reason. Yeah, it's really uh, really a sparkly thing for for musicians. It's like how. Uh when the documentary Scratch came out, all of a sudden everybody wanted to talk about Herbie Hancock's Rocket. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. And what was the guy's name? Was it DMT? The guy that appeared on uh, the Grammys or whatever? It was like the first guy to scratch on live television. Was it DMT? I can't remember. Oh, the guy's I don't name. know. And he was part of that documentary anyway. Yeah, that was. Uh, but yeah. so I mean, it is, there's in that Sound City documentary. There's I mean, obviously all the albums that were recorded on that console. You know, people are. I mean, there's some pretty huge records, and and I imagine that yes, there is magic in those uh, machines. But you know, the other part is that they were incredible songs. So it's you can go out and spend all that money on the console if you like. But I mean, I suppose a shitty song is a shitty song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's that. I mean, that's true. But the the interesting thing from from and and this is like a very different perspective about recording studios is that. Because I, I own, this will be the third recording studio that I own. I, I much more look at it like I'm like building a hospital. <laughs> and the idea that I'm worried about the health of the patient. Like, yes, yeah, well, many, many obese, you know, 65-year-old men come into a hospital and say, help me. And the doc's like, oh, boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like chronic alcoholic, yeah. uh, you know, like completely like just close to surgery or death and yeah. so in other words like i don't it's not that i don't i really in the best way possible i don't care whether someone's music is how it's perceived by other people because all i'm there to provide like reliable excellent sounding equipment to fulfill someone someone's life dreams as just like a hospital is there to just keep someone breathing have you ever had the situation where one of your engineers turned to you and said, John, I can't record this album. It's my son. <laughs> and it turned out the engineer was a woman. <laughs> Whoa! That is <laughs> mind-blowing. <laughs> but I, I think that that, that that wouldn't preclude someone from recording an album. Yeah. It's I, a little, I, different, I, little different than the Hippocratic Oath, I guess. It, 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 that's true. Little <laughs> After the metaphor breaks down. And, and Chris, let me, let me get to another thing, Chris, I think that you'd find very interesting is that so people ask me all the time because I'm, I'm now, and we'll get into this later. I'm producing records full time. Yeah. People get in, ask me this all the time. What's it like to work on a record that you don't like? Or what's it like to work on a record that you do like? And, sure. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing is, is that it, 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 it's, it would be, it'd be like a doctor sexualizing a patient. Like right. it'd be like saying to a doctor, well, "Who's the hottest right. person yeah. that you've ever like, you yeah. know, unclothed?" <laughs> yeah. When and, you're checking and, if a dude has a uh, yeah. Uh, What's yeah, the most hernia. beautiful? Am I allowed to cuss? Yeah. Okay. Fucking um, go for it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like so. I'm not going to yet. But, <laughs> um, I broke the seal. So. And, and you know, sometimes I've worked on records that are that are considered to be classics of their own kind, and mm -hmm. those experiences may not have been very fun at all. And I might have worked on a record that. If I played, you know, for, for you and Chris, I played you this album, you guys would just be like, oh boy, really? You know, <laughs> yeah. and it was like the most joyful 11 days I've spent right. with a killer, smart, charming artist in yeah. a room. So all bets are off about the experience that you have in, in a control room with a band. Now, John, I, it occurs to me that uh, uh, the, what I said earlier may have been sort of undermining what you were talking about buying this console. And I don't mean that at all. I just... No, 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 I don't. 
After no, that I, documentary, like people, you know, it's always like the popular culture, just like, oh, this is the secret to making a good song. And, you know, <laughs> right. by n- in oh. no way did I mean that that's yeah. what you were doing. No, no, no. And, and, and I've bought, you know, I've, you know, I've run the t- tiny telephone for 16 years. So I've probably bought, you know, I don't know, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars worth of gear. So I have zero <laughs> emotional connection to the idea of recording gear. Yeah. I mean, I have transcended you know, defending or, or even (laughs) like having too much of a connection to gear. I mean, I really do see it as for me, it's like, if I can buy something that is very, very well made and that holds its value, it's incredibly important to me. It's sort of like the analogy of a, of a guy who has the one car that's his car that you know, like his 64 Mustang yeah. versus like Tommy Saxondale car collector who has like a hundred cars. Like, like to him it's like it's it's the the system yeah. to some extent it's a system and, yeah and you know to this one jay guy, leno yeah. versus right. you know <laughs> tommy saxondale there you go <laughs> well um, it, and that will go ahead i'm sure you have a better question i than, don't have i no i you're the you're the one with the wisdom here <laughs> no i i i, I I, I learned. I think that you learn less if you're interested in a craft. I think that you sometimes can feel that you you are learning less as you get on in the craft, and that's a very good thing. Yeah. Well, there's a diminishing returns thing. I think. Well, too. actually, I I I wouldn't. That that's not where I was going. What I what I really mean is that you become aware that you started out with a boatload of confidence right that is completely connected to zero right other yeah. than in your own insecurities and as you get more secure in the 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 you know in the craft you realize that it's un- there's aspects of it that are totally unknowable yeah. yeah and that it's uh an esoteric black art i think that's something that uh i'm starting to find with the world of cocktails like there's very large obvious holes in my knowledge and then there's also things that i know a lot about but i just you know like i i spent some time reading about orange liqueur last week and uh i kind of hit hit the limit of like what i felt was even worth knowing you know like i don't i don't know that like i know that there's like it's a it's a rabbit hole that i could go down but i don't feel like it would do me particularly more good to go down that one than some others that I'm, you know, I still think are of value. Yeah. Well, maybe we should get into our life events. What do you say, Chris? I think that's a great idea. You first. Okay, uh, so my, my life event is failing in the face of an ethical conundrum. All right. What's, what's your life event, Chris? Um, I got to see a rocket launch. How about you, Mr. Vanderslice? My life event, um, I, I was on tour last November, and we almost hit a car that was parked on the freeway, not on the side of the freeway, but on in the middle of lane actually stopped. Mm. And we came so close that the second after we swerved around it, didn't hit anyone in the other lane because we didn't even have time to check and got kind of our bearings again. I decided that I would never tour again. Wow. So full-time, full-time record recording from here on in. 
in, until I change my mind. But that that's w- w- where it stands. And wow. and let it be said that the record producing thing is enormously attractive to me. So yeah. it's it wasn't like I'm being repelled right. from. It was just like a decision of yeah, hey, had a good run. This yeah. was great. This was awesome. Yeah. I just got very lucky, and I'm not going to push my luck. came up with a cocktail for just that occasion and uh should it never it happen again you. hopefully and, and it and never ho- happens again yeah hopefully it never happens again but uh so john for you i'm gonna make a cocktail called an amour fou cool. uh, which is two ounces of bourbon uh half an ounce of sweet vermouth half an ounce of cointreau quarter ounce of green chartreuse and a dash of orange bitters so I'm gonna we're gonna combine the ingredients in uh, in a mixing glass, uh, add ice and stir to chill, and then strain into an old-fashioned glass with fresh ice, and then uh, twist a lemon peel over the top to release its oils. Rub it around the rim of the drink and drop it into the booze. Um, yeah, so that's the uh, M or Foo. That sounds All lovely. Right. Uh, ben, for you, uh, I have something called uh, Dark and Stormy 2. Someone came up with a sequel to the Dark and Stormy. And then uh, I guess we thought it would be funny if we used an 11-year-old reference and renamed it the Too Dark, Too Stormy. So, too Dark, uh, Too Stormy. So uh, <laughs> that's going to be one ounce of Myers rum, one ounce of silver rum, two ounces of ginger beer, two ounces of fresh orange juice, two ounces of pineapple juice. Build all ingredients in a large glass over ice. Uh, stir, garnish with a lime. Yum. Um, Chris, for you, I picked the moonwalk. Um, mm. Mostly because I was conscious of the fact that you were watching that rocket launch at Cape Canaveral, uh, Kennedy Space Center. Yeah. So uh, a, lot of moon, a lot of moon history over there. Um, mm-hmm. So it's an ounce of uh, grapefruit juice, an ounce of Grand Marnier, two dashes of rose water and champagne. So you're just going to shake the juice, liqueur, and rose water in ice until chilled, strain them into a champagne flute, and top with champagne. Ooh, yeah. Let's go Um, make them. Let's make them. To your health. Oh, so I'm allowed to drink? Yeah, chin chin. Chin chin. I, I, I actually am going to drink this. I, I very, very rarely drink. Maybe once or twice a month. Sip it up, man. Am I missing something? <laughs> well, you know, I think uh, different strokes for different folks. Some, Absolutely. Some, some people, this is their drug. Other I'm, people pick other things. I'm going to guess that I smoke opium more than both of you guys combined. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably an easy guess. I, a very good friend of mine spent all of high school fantasizing about finding a situation in which he could smoke opium. I think because he'd like read a novel in which yeah. people were smoking it. Uh, yeah, and uh, this is really the, the town for opium, right? I mean, historically. Well, do we really want to talk about opium? I'm yeah, really Francisco opium. Dens? I'm, I'm I mean, willing to. Let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. So well, YOLO. <laughs> yep. You're right. Um, so the thing with you opium, only like opium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took me a sip of my drink to yes. come up with that. I, yes. I actually gave up. I was like, uh, why? Oh, I could. I was like, I can't get anywhere. Um, 
So opium will never, ever be imported to the U.S. because it weighs, I, I want to say that it's five to one, wow. that it's five times heavier than, than, um, than heroin. Heroin's very, very processed. Right. Um, no, and it's, it's, heroin is like rarefied opium, right? It is. It's chemically, you know, processed. Oh, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. much lighter. And it's also, it's, opium has many, many more alkaloids in it. So o- opium has a lot more psychoactive ingredients than, huh. than heroin. And heroin's kind of a, a single note and y- you could say a that polyphonic. Now I've only smoked um, <laughs> heroin. I mean, I've only smoked heroin, so I've never shot up heroin. So I can't speak yeah. to the difference, but with the advent of, um, of deep web uh, drug markets, right. one can import very, very excellent opium wow. from Spain, this where they like grow on, poppies. Uh, Silk Road type of uh, situation. Well, it was the Silk Road until yeah. the feds uh, took all Put my Bitcoin. On. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it was the Bitcoin. It was um, it was Silk Road, and then it was. Um, there's twenty other drug markets right sure. now. So yeah. it's it's that is crazy. Hydra. You chop off it's, one head, and yeah, and the other appear. <laughs> let me ask. Let me ask. What what kind of a high is that, John? So the well first the first time first off it's very difficult to actually smoke opium you have to prepare for it you have to buy an opium lantern which on Amazon is $5.97 <laughs> if you have prime uh, oh cool yeah i was going to ask cuz i have prime and i don't you know i don't want to pay the shipping you so. do not and you need to get a vegetable oil so you have to have an oil that doesn't like alter the taste of the opium or yeah. it doesn't have any you know byproducts i, re- I recommend a grapeseed oil <laughs> a neutral oil with a high smoke point so it's a little bit more expensive than canola, but basically what you're doing is that you're vaporizing opium. You're not, you know, you're not putting flame, right. direct flame onto it because it will just turn into a morphine high. You you want to you 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 don't want to burn it. Right. So it's actually incredibly difficult to smoke. You have to buy a proper opium pipe, which are they're for sale out there. Right. I mean, there's there's some on Amazon and there's some on eBay. Um, the high, once I figured it out, you also have to cure the opium before you smoke it. So you have to take small little, um, almost like pincers and like cure the opium over a low heat, wow. stretch it out. You have to, you have to research it. It's this not a casual. Like such an interesting blend between highly scientific and highly artisanal old world, like, mm. I don't know, like cheese preparation or something. That's why there were opium dens yeah. because you actually, takes you know, expertise. It t- does takes it take expertise, and the high changed. Um, Chris, to answer your question, the high really, really changed. The better I got at smoking it. Wow! Wow! But the first time that I ever, well, you also you get high the first time you do it. I mean, it's a no it's, it's not huh? a subtle uh, <laughs> drug, but but the thing is, is that it doesn't. It's not dopey. It's actually very exciting. Really? Um, your heart rate increases. Hmm. Um, it is. It has um, a psychoactive and excitable um, layering to it. Um, there, now there is an op, you know a standard like opiate feeling that that definitely sinks in, and then after four hours, you are definitely going to be lying horizontally. I mean, you're not <laughs> you're not going to be like driving around, you know. Sure. <laughs> um, but the, like, hit, hit, let's hit the In and Out Burger and then yeah. catch a film. But not, the, not a opium the, activity. The first <laughs> time I did it, um, the feeling that I would describe to you is that I took one hit of it, and then I was listening to. Um, Coltrane's Blue Train, oh boy. Um, oh and boy. it was on, and it was a ballad, and it was right when it hit me. It took about maybe four or five seconds after I exhaled. 
the feeling was like someone pressed their thumb down on the vinyl and slowed it down. It was Ooh. like, uh. just like in the movies, and just like in the movies. Wow. <laughs> um, and it was, it's pretty special. I mean, you know, as with, with drugs, it's a dosage thing. It's, you know, sure. you have to be incredibly disciplined. It drugs are stronger than all of us, alcohol included. Yeah. I mean, I think that, well, I think that that's what you're describing with opium as with a crafted cocktail. This is a fantastic cocktail, by the way. Um, there's some there's some work involved, and that <clears throat> brings some discipline to the equation. A- absolutely, and we are all thoughtful people, and so if we bring that that um, relationship to the yeah. substances that we put in our body, then we're okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's lying on a park bench with a bottle of nitrine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, a, you know, technically doing the same drug that we're doing right now, yeah, but well, in a very different and much more surrendered way. Yes. Well, um, I mean, if I, if I, if I, for a split second, imagine John, that you were in the business of selling uh, opium, I <laughs> might be on a, the next plane to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, you did just sell the hell out of it. I yeah, know. you did it's, just, it's like, if you uh, didn't have to go back to work, I might insist on so, uh, canceling <laughs> my later appointment. <laughs> so the, the first time I did it, the next morning I woke up I had black tea and coffee. I mean, I had black tea and, and um, orange juice like I do every morning. And then I created a Google calendar. <laughs> and I'm dead serious. It's called like, I think it's called like Vanderslice Productions. So no one, or no, no, it's called um, Payments Due because it is a payment due. <laughs> and I started coding in the drugs that I take and yeah. I made a hard and fast rule. I also like cocaine a lot, but we don't have to get into that. <laughs> I made a hard and fast rule that I would never smoke opium more than twice in a month. I would never do cocaine more than twice in a month. I would never drink alcohol more than twice in a month. And I wouldn't smoke weed more than twice in a month. There's something good about like the, the anticipation of those things. Oh, absolutely. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I've never, this, it's been a year and a half and I've never, ever come close to breaking my rule. But see that we don't even have a Google spreadsheet for this podcast. So (laughs) I'm very impressed. Chris, what were you going to say? I was just going to say like, I mean, you are, uh, uh, you're a successful uh, musician and producer and business owner, and you, I mean, obviously are in control. And I mean, it is incredible to hear you talk about opium and cocaine <laughs> and weed and and like that you eke it out, you know, twice a month. I mean, that is like that is fascinating to me that you made a calendar, you know. And I, I just, I mean, hats off to you, my friend. Absolutely, indeed. Um, Chris, tell me about uh, seeing this rocket launch. Well, holy smokes. I mean, I, I think I decided that you are not a country if you don't have a space program of some kind uh, watching sure. that rocket launch. and You guys have the Canadarm. I mean, we were, yeah, we contributed to, and that, I mean, believe me, that's like, I think a very, uh, we take a lot of pride in that arm. And, uh, yeah. But, As uh, well, you should. It's a, it's a really cool robot arm. Yeah. And, uh, On the uh, but, International Space Station. But let me tell you, like watching this thing, I mean, I looked down, you know, it was scheduled for, I think it had been canceled. We were supposed to see it when we did the, uh, a couple weeks back when we were on the cruise and then it got scratched because of uh, weather. And then three days later, they had rescheduled it when we were back on land and, uh, you know, we're just standing out in the lawn of the hotel and waiting because we didn't really know exactly the countdown we didn't have like a, a we weren't close enough we were you know yeah, kind of far they away they don't have an app that tells you or anything. i'm sure they do but we didn't have it <laughs> and we were just watching in the general direction it was supposed to launch from and 
I kind of look down for a second and Amanda, uh, our friend Amanda just kind of says, oh, look. And I look up and it's, you know, there it is. It's just, it starts to take off and it is moving. This thing is moving yeah. and it's silent. Like there is nothing, there's no sound. And it, it sort of starts to arc in the sky and it's, I, I mean, I, you know, it's, my mouth is like, my jaw is dropped. I can't believe I, I mean, it's all it I want. It seems impossible, was, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to go to Kennedy Space Center so bad. And I was like, okay, well, a rocket launch is actually probably better than walking around, you know, look, reading yeah. and looking at things that have happened in the past. And, uh, although I'd like, I still like to do that. Um, and then it gets to a certain point in the sky and then the sound comes and it's the sound that you used to hear, uh, when you'd watch a space shuttle launch on television, just that low rumble and like, you know, that really distorted, like, you know, not that, not that sound at all, but, uh, you know, it's really like few, like so much thrust and power and, you know, I mean, not even as much as what it used to take the space shuttle to launch. And it was just so impressive and people are cheering, like there's maybe four or five people out and they're cheering and, um. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was really like I I just felt so lucky and it, and it's hard for me to imagine I and mean, we've got a couple of friends that are from Florida uh, Lindsay and David and and they said yeah we've seen it a million times it's you know I can't imagine something like so powerful uh, being old hat you know I mean I can't even imagine living in that area and <laughs> that just being like you know it's it's like the same as living near an airport for them yeah you know I just can't even I would be outside until. You know, in my in my head, I'd just be out every time there was a rocket launch scheduled. Yeah. You know, drinking your cocktail, watching the rockets. Uh, and by the way, you know, I think you know, as I said, people were cheering, and and you know, it certainly to me is cause for celebration. And that drink is exactly it's just it's just it's light and it's easy, and uh, you know, it's unlike a rocket, which is heavy and difficult to launch <laughs> into space. Yeah, but it it, it complements it definitely. Cool. Um, John, when I was making your drink, I, uh, was, uh, rubbing the lemon peel around the edge of the glass. And that's something I do on a lot of the, with a lot of the drinks on this show, but we've never really talked about it. The idea is to get the kind of citrus oils just in your nose, basically as you're drinking. Um, and I guess a little bit on your tongue, but, uh, it, it, uh, it really flowers up a drink. Um, so uh, if if you're making one of these at home, make sure you uh, spray some of that citrus oil onto the surface of the drink by just kind of squeezing the the peel after you cut it off, and then just rub it rub it all the way around the outside of the the glass. It it's a it's a nice touch, and it looks classy as hell when you do it. Absolutely, <laughs> it does. Um, so you're us- so you're going full time recording, and and I think that that's kind of cool because you are sort of blessed with with many, many passions in life. And, and, uh, I think that when I first met you, I was really kind of inspired by how passionate you are about what you do. I mean, you, you never tire of the things that you do because you do things that you love. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so I, I wonder if there's any melancholy at all in, in switching from being a touring musician or if it's all just kind of a new adventure. I think it's it's there's no melancholy because it's still available. It's still accessible and right. So you know, this I'm, isn't a hard and fast declaration. <laughs> well, I'm I'm trying to not do it, but the, you know things happen. I just I, actually I just got um, 
fast to play show at the Gene Autry Museum in LA, which is an unbelievably great place. So yeah. I'm gonna fly down there and do that. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm opening up for Death Cab for Cutie in a couple of weeks. So hard to turn that down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, there's still things that come down that I really want to do. But as far as like slugging it out with six, seven week tours in the yeah. U.S. and Europe, in the back of a 16 passenger van. And- yeah, and and they're those are great, fantastic tours. But I, I mean, again, it was like. I I really feel that there are there's some there's some uh, language out there that we have to pay attention to, and yeah. I, I I really had a very clear and it was it was not a like an intellectual decision. It was just like oh okay the I'm, universe I'm done. Has, has sent me well, a little message here. Yeah, and, I'm and, going to- <laughs> and it's okay. It's it's yeah. great. There's it, it, absolutely no negative component of it I, in fact it felt anything it was just like you know uh, Moby Dick like surviving Ishmael surviving you know near drowning of like hey everything is actually a gift or from like this that point time on. in Pulp Fiction where Samuel L. Jackson decides to walk the earth yeah absolutely that's his passion <laughs> he's a bad motherfucker nobody's gonna stop him yeah no one's gonna stop him and and I I, I also see producing and engineering as as first off you're lucky to be working with bands. I mean, like yeah. to be first up, you know, bands are, they've been working for a year to two years on the record that you're in a room with them for 12 days. Right. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a sacred relationship that you have with bands Yeah, and to have a hand in translating Taking it through their the ideas. The yeah. I mean, I'm, I think it's, it's pretty incredible. That's very cool. Well, Chris, I want to talk about my dark and stormy. Yeah, please do. I uh, or my too dark, too stormy. Yeah, electric boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> um, too dark, too stormy. This time it's personal. Yeah, this time it. Well, it, it is personal. So my my uh, <laughs> ethical quandary that I was faced with uh, this week was when we were getting on the cruise for boat party dot biz. Uh, my fiance Rachel was feeling like she had a little bit of a sore throat, and one thing that happens when you are checking in for a cruise is they slide a piece of paper across the counter at you that is basically you swearing up and down that you don't have any flu-like symptoms and that you haven't been experiencing anything like a sore throat or whatever for the past several days. And uh, it was definitely something I was conscious of at the time. Like, this is a decision that we were making and it's sort of I mean it's sort of like one of those decisions where you're making it on everybody's behalf like you know if if she is indeed sick then chances are I am also sick because Mm -hmm. we share a bed and Mm -hmm. you know give her hit off my beer at dinner or whatever and Mm -hmm. uh so wait sorry sorry you 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 said that uh, she's your fiance right so you can't possibly share a bed Am I right? Oh, uh, we're living in um, sin. Sin. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Just, just to clarify. <laughs> just to clarify. Uh, yeah. So, but you know, it's sort of. It was sort of like, also not really an option to not get on the boat because I was there. You know, partly to work to film all the shows and yeah, and you know, a lot of money has already been spent on my behalf to get me there. Yeah. And. I don't know. In retrospect, I've just been feeling kind of kind of crummy about it because I like I guess I did sort of take the lives of like twenty five hundred people into my own hands. Like if <laughs> if it had actually been a thing, God is that it would have been our fault, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And like it happens. Like 
that is a thing that does it's you know low odds but i don't know i don't know i don't mean for this to become like ben's confessional podcast no but look i mean i i did something similar years ago where i got on a a plane and i was stifling a cough this was during sars i I was stifling i was stifling a cough you're because like I'm, a character you know, in the uh, in an outbreak movie. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, in my head, I'm like, I don't have SARS. Come on, and I didn't. Turns out I was right. I'm a doctor. Uh, but I, I was flying to Scotland, and when I got to Scotland, my illness got so much worse. I was in bed for. And they didn't tell you to five get days. to fuck. <laughs> to what? What do you What do you say? Get to fuck. Oh, get to fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's what they'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I mean, yeah. I, Sorry, so again, John, I, we have like an ongoing uh, <laughs> Scottish accent um, <laughs> humor on this show. Uh, be, yeah, but I can relate is all I'm trying to say. And I mean, yeah. it is it is something where you, you're aware and it, it, you do not want to be caught. You don't want to be found out because, you know, it is the safety of others. But, yeah. you know, but anyways, uh, how, bullet, but how, bullet how about dodged. that drink? How about yeah. that drink? Good drink. I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, we, uh, <laughs> I, uh. I literally came from the airport to record today, and John only had two ice cubes in his freezer, so I actually washed the cubes that I used to make his drink and then made my drink with them. Perfect. So it's a little less cold than I want, but it's delicious nonetheless. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's totally fine. I mean, it's resourceful right there, washing ice cubes, man. That's, I feel uh, like it would also go really well with doing some opium, but that's just a, you know, that's just a guess, a wild guess. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's, I mean, maybe, you know, after the, sh- after dark, we can just have a little conversation with John and maybe we'll find out if it does pair with Maybe we'll opium. see. I think not mixing alcohol and narcotics is, that's a golden rule right there. <laughs> how about, no, but how, how about we just talk about the drink while we smoke opium? Oh yeah. <laughs> academically? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, Sounds like a kind of a buzzkill, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> we had a listener request um, this week um, at Chris Paddock. Um, it writes, it's my Dirty 30 party next week. I'd like to serve a couple of cocktails. Any suggestions? Other so than is, dirty- is Dirty 30 just a 30th birthday term that I'm unfamiliar with? I think so. Okay. Maybe maybe it's uh, regional. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, uh, he I is like from. It. I'm I, not I be- against it at all. I believe he's from my hometown of Burlington, Ontario. Um, anyway, uh, he says other than a dirty martini. Yeah. Um, so I've gone with a classic because um, you know turning thirty is you know people say eighteen you're an adult but like maybe nowadays thirty is is you're on the road to adulthood. Yeah, by thir- thirty. 30 is the new 18, right? Yeah, exactly. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. Um, but this is a classic uh, cocktail called a Foghorn. And this is uh, in the country club style, which I don't know what that means. But there's a few in this classic cocktail book I, I got the recipe from. Interesting. Uh, so this is a half ounce of lime juice, a half ounce of lemon juice, one uh, teaspoon of simple syrup uh, or I haven't heard bar- about any booze so far Chris what's going oh, on hang on hang on uh, it's actually bar sugar which is super fine sugar uh, yeah. and one and a half ounces of old tom gin now old tom gin is uh, it's slightly sweeter than London dry gin but slightly drier than Dutch Yenever. Uh so Hanever Hanever we still uh, haven't decided how we want to pronounce that no uh, <laughs> so it in a large mixing glass um, uh, with ice, stir well, strain into a tall 
thin glass and fill with a premium ginger ale. Uh, mm. Now, I, I did pick out a second. I won't get into it here. I'll put it on the Tumblr account, but uh, everybody, uh, you should know it's called a dirty banana. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Gross. Does Hope it, it goes have well. creme de banana in it? Uh, uh, no, it doesn't. That's uh, shocking. I can't believe you picked <laughs> something that has. Anything oh no, it does. To do no, it's, oh, no. What am I talking about? It's made. For, it's a, It's it makes eight servings. And yes, what am I talking about? It's eight ounces of banana liqueur. Yeah. <laughs> what is it going to have? Gross. You know? Um, but happy birthday, Chris, and I hope it works out. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, for the request. I guess that sort of brings things to a close, doesn't it, Chris? It does. It does. Uh, oh. So first of all, uh, John Vanderslice, thank you so much. Thank for, you very, uh, absolutely. very much for being with It was being a blast, and thanks for the great alcohol, man. It was um, fun. Yeah, uh, what is uh, what are your favorite things for people to go looking for if they want to find you? Twitter or your website? Or I just think you just stumble in the dark and you'll figure something. <laughs> just punch John Vanderslice into into uh, in your favorite search engine. Uh, you're gonna find some great music and uh, and you know maybe the occasional opening for Death Cab for Cutie uh, appearance or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, um, this guy's the real deal, folks. If you have an album to record, look no further than Tiny Telephone. Um, and also, go see him live. Yeah. Um, well, thanks thanks very much for being on the show. Um, you can uh, find Chris on Twitter, at ChrisBChicken. And Ben, at Benjamin R A H R. And you can follow our show at Drink About It. Uh, and go to the website letsdrinkabout.it to find all the recipes from today's show. Uh, and one more thank you, Paul. Thank you, Graham. And thank you, James. Yeah. Good guys, one and all. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week. We'll have more life events and more drinks that go perfectly with them. Don't say it, Ben. Okay, I won't. Just have a good night uh, or day or whenever it is you're listening to this. Uh, take care. I love all of you. I, I know a girl from Toronto. I mean, I, I'm not friends with her. I just know uh, through somebody. She recorded at Tiny Telephone. Her name's Rebecca. Her, Rebecca. Rebecca. Yep, she's great. Yeah. Look, um, do you hear that sound? That's the sound of a landline. I want us to enjoy <laughs> that. It might as well be like a, a someone sending a telegraph, right? It must be a generational thing. I'm right. Oh, yeah, land what? I'm sorry. <laughs>